We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, it's Chris Harrington on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more on 92.9's Jeff Calkins Show. Presented by Church Health. Caring for people all around us. Give today at churchhealth.org. Chris, what are we listening to? That's a fantastic voyage, the first single, or at least the breakthrough single by rapper Coolio who died yesterday, hopefully in the afterlife, you get steak with your beans and rice. Tender age of 59. Didn't he What didn't he perform at a Grizzlies game? Do you have any recollection of that? He did. One of those, like, you bring in, like, right. you know, if I frankly passed their prime. Wait, well, yeah, at this star, point, he was way MC, past his prime, young, yes. Yeah, Young MC did one of these. and I can't remember whether it was Coolio or Young MC, who I think it was Coolio, who was performing and trying to get the attention of people in the crowd, and they were ignoring him, and it was kind of a kind of a thing. Um, but anyway, shout out to him. He, he made some good records in the mid-90s. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Forbes has their list of the richest owners in professional sports. And Robert Perra, although he had a tough year, like a lot of people, uh, still in the top five. He's number four. Down 3%, I think it said, Jeffrey. I think it was down 3% yep. on the year. It's a good thing that Robert Perra is this rich. Good thing for Memphis, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean it because there will come a time in the next um, several years when we will be discussing what's going to happen in the next lease, and and I like I I can be torn about this. Like he clearly does have the money to just do everything himself, and but he won't, and and probably shouldn't be expected to. But if he needed, if he was a owner who needed to maximize his return on the Grizzlies, he wouldn't be in Memphis. The way you maximize your return on the Grizzlies is not to be in Memphis. Don't you believe that to be true? I mean, the way he would maximize his return on the Grizzlies is to sell the Grizzlies, right, so right, then who yeah. knows what would happen happen yeah. from there. I, I think you know if you're if you're talking about you know specter of relocation, that's not just something you decide to do because the league right. has to approve that kind of stuff. Um, and so, but yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, Memphis is going to is going to be one of the lower revenue markets in the league, and, and there's, there's probably not much that's going to change that. When is when are we going to start thinking about when do you think tax issues are going to be a serious question for this franchise? Is he going to pay the tax, and uh, and and what is a reasonable expectation about that, or for any owner to pay the to pay the tax? Um, I think I think I think anyone who wants to compete for a title, I don't think you 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 seek you go out to seek to pay the tax as a goal. Right. But I think it's a byproduct of, of of building a good team and as payrolls rise and as you resign players, etc. I think any team that wants to compete for a title should have the expectation that they will likely enter the luxury tax in doing so. Certainly to um, defend the title um, if you get to that 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 vantage point. 
I think it's the heavy tax stuff, the repeater tax stuff, the stuff that Golden State is doing right now is not, I think, an expectation to have for for most franchises. Um, And so, you know, I I think if you want to have an NBA team and you want to win, you have to be willing to go into the tax at certain points. Um, The Grizzlies have not done that. The Grizzlies, I think, have done that once in franchise history, and that was when the tax was very, very low. It was a different tax regime. Um, I suspect they will do that again. But, again, I don't think it's something you have to seek out for its own sake. Um, And the fact that the the cap is rising faster than expected sort of changes the calculus a little bit. I mean, I mean, I think there was one thought at one point that as soon as John Morant signs his extension, you know, you're done with the idea of cap space. Well, you know, yeah, like tax is a separate thing, but like cap space you're right. definitely done with. And that's not necessarily true now with the cap rising so fast. Um, but I, I am of the opinion that that the Grizzlies you know, in terms of keeping this core together and adding to it, which I think is something that is likely to happen or likely to need to happen in the next year or two, I think you're going to see them enter the tax, you know, if not next season, then then pretty soon down the line. Uh, one of the things that Zach Kleiman said over and over again the other day was, we believe in the way we're building the team. We believe in the way we built the team. We believe in the way we built the team. And uh, they believe in drafting and developing and all of that stuff. And that's clearly true, and that's great. Do you think, I was actually listening to Giannato and Jeffrey later on uh, that day, and Mark said that the summer he doesn't believe, he thinks they, 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 they would have, in an ideal world, would have preferred to land a big swing. And this is fine, they do believe, and they are not going to overpay and whatever else. Do you think that is, I, I'm, I just have, do you think that there was, there were efforts to do something more dramatic um, than than what they did. Obviously, they're, they're all they quote unquote. They're always looking and always looking for whatever else. Do you think there's some disappointment that in in internally that the summer didn't yield more immediate help? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if there's disappointment. Um, what I would say is that we think about these things so much in terms of of, you know, of agency by the team. Like, do you make a move? Do you right. not make a move? The move has to be there to be made. Right. And it's my belief that it is, I don't think, I don't think, it's my belief that they would have made a pretty big move if it was there to be made. And it is still my belief they will do so this season if it is there to be made. I think what you have to look at is look at who, what players actually moved this summer. Uh, Rudy Gobert did not really make sense for the Grizzlies. Um, you could argue whether it makes sense for the Wolves, but I think there was a level of desperation in Minnesota that's not here in Memphis. But an already 30-year-old you know, center on a max contract wasn't really – I mean, I would not have advocated an all-in move for that for Memphis. Right. Um, Donovan Mitchell, because of the position, another small guard who dominates the ball, who's not great defensively, not a great fit with John Morant, and not enough of an added value if you're replacing Desmond Bain, who's already really good. Those were the best players who moved, and those players did not make sense for the Grizzlies. If a Jalen Brown got traded this summer or a Pascal Siakam got traded this summer right. or a player who made more sense for the Grizzlies and the Grizzlies, you know, didn't get that done or and weren't even rumored to be involved, I think you're having a different conversation. I think the move is not there. Um, has it hasn't been there. And, you know, when we did our podcast here yesterday, me and Drew, we sort of did some, you know, plan, uh, the gimmick was this planter flags and some, like, you know, bold claims or whatever for the season. And one of mine was, the way I phrased it was, I don't believe, was that both Danny Green and Dylan Brooks won't still be here after the trade deadline. And my broader 
take on that is I think I think they are likely to make a trade of a player with meaning meaningful salary this season. I think Danny Green is by far the most likely, but. Danny Green, $10 million. Dylan Brooks, $11, $12 million, both expiring contracts. Steven Adams, $17 million expiring contract. You know, Tyus Jones making $14 million to be a backup point guard. Uh, they still got excess draft picks and all this other stuff. I think if the right thing pops up this season, I, I, not only would I advocate the Grizzlies making a big move if the right player is there, I think they'll try to make a big move if, if the right player is there. Uh, the Dylan Brooks thing, there's also this, you know, he can walk at the end of the year. Do you think that will be, right. do you think that will become a obviously it will be a factor. You don't disgorge Dylan Brooks and not get immediate help back at the train deadline just because he's going to walk if you are a contender and they expect to be a contender, right? Um but it is a factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you know, I mean, a I mean, I don't I, I don't assume that like they're not going to resign him next summer. Right. Um, but I think that's something they have to try to calculate and get a feel for between now and the deadline. And it's not, you know, Dylan Brooks is a, is a more valuable player as a trade, as a hot commodity, as he says. He's a more valuable <laughs> player, I think, on the court and as a trade commodity than, say, Kyle Anderson was. I think last year by the deadline, they probably knew they weren't going to bring Kyle Anderson back. But he was in their rotation, and they were a good team. And what were they going to get if they traded him, like a second-round pick or two? And so it's a cost-benefit calculation. Like, you know, I, I think if they get to the trade deadline and, and they think we may not re-sign Dylan Brooks, like, it's not, not going to be like we got to move him for anything we can or we get nothing because you're already a good team. I think there will be a threshold you need to get back. Uh, my hope would be – that if you get to that point that you think you're not going to re-sign Dylan Brooks, and again, I don't roll out just re-signing Dylan Brooks, but if you get to the point where you think you won't, my hope is that you're not just like, let's move him for what for something of value before we lose him for nothing. My hope is like, let's build a bigger deal and like pair him with like another player and two first-round picks and whatever and like, you know, not get something slightly worse that you're going to keep, but get something better is what, you know, if you get to that point, is what I would be hoping for. And basically, and we'll players will become available as the year plays out, right? Because different teams will be right. in different situations and they'll make conclusions about their future and their trajectory and whatever else. And, uh, and someone who was not available this summer uh, may well uh, spring loose. In terms of Danny Green, by the way, uh, he said he's part of, the, you know, the, part of this team, expects to come back and play. Zach Kleiman said it. What is exactly the status of his health? We were, we were talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. and his over under when he might return. Do we have any sense? It was a knee with Danny Green. Do we have any sense, you know, like regular seat? We expect if he remains with the Grizzlies for this entire year, we expect him to play in the regular season. Isn't that the hope or the expectation? I, I, that, is, that is the expectation they have voiced, um, that, you know, they expect him to be cleared sometime in the second half of the season. You know, he's 37 years old or whatever, 36, 37, coming off major knee surgery. He was already before the knee injury in a decline phase of his career. Um, I personally, you know, I wish him the best. I personally don't have, I don't put a lot of stock in Danny Green as a meaningful player on the court late in the season. We just have to say that it can't happen or it won't happen because it might, but I don't put a lot of stock in that. I think the, the the more likely value play is using the expiring contract in a trade, but we'll see. Uh, Kevin Pelton has win projection, projections up, statistical win projections, stats-based win projections. One of the things first, as he says, which is kind of interesting, is that 
one of the real challenges now is how disconnected the 82-game regular season has been from the playoffs. It used to be that the best teams were the best teams and there wasn't a lot of drama and whatever else, and they usually were the number one seed. Now, the last two years, none of the four number one seeds, two from last year and two from the years before, made the finals. So it is sort of interesting the, if the regular season is being devalued. The, yeah, yeah, the Warriors won a title as the three seed, and the Bucks, I think the year before, won the title as the three seed. And I don't remember what the Raptors were when they snuck through, but they definitely were not a one seed. In, in, a, in a way, it's like that's great because it's more wide open than it used to be. There's more parity. Uh, on the other hand, it's like it's the, the part that's not great is the what, what, you know, do we care about the regular season? Uh, I, I generally think that is a good thing. How many teams, though, you talked about the fact that there are nine teams, you know, that are sort of in a, you, you could have, that the Grizzlies really will be legitimately competing with uh, in, the, uh, in the West. How many teams do you think legitimately could win a title this year? Who could win a title? Um, Go through them. In the entire NBA? Yeah. Um, let me bring up the standing so I can remember all the teams. Uh, I don't, I mean, you, you sort of fudge, you know, any, you get to the anything can happen territory, but I, I'm going to say no on Miami. So I'm going to say Boston, Milwaukee, t- Philadelphia, definitely. I'm going to say Brooklyn if everything breaks right. That's four in the East. I, I'm not ready to go there with Cleveland. Um, Phoenix, I mean, the vibes are bad, but yeah, if everything breaks right. Phoenix, I'll still say the Grizzlies. They're on the outer edge of that. Um, Golden State, obviously. Um, Denver, definitely. The Clippers, definitely. I I think, you know, teams like Minnesota and New Orleans and the Lakers and and the Heat, to me, those are very outer edge teams. Like, in some theoretical, literally everything goes right, but I don't take take them seriously in that regard. How about Denver? Yeah, I think if I didn't say say Denver, Denver, I meant to. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, and is that, and I mean, we were talking about how jumbled all of this is. So, in his win projections, first of all, it's staggering how low they are. Phoenix Suns are number one in the West with forty nine. Well, I mean, this is not him eyeballing. Right. This, no. is a num- this is a, it's a number. This is a statistical system, and exactly. it's regression to the mean, and so it's going to yield conservative results. Exactly. So, it's Suns are one, Nuggets are two, Pelicans are three, uh, Grizzlies are four. Timberwolves are five, Clippers are six, Mavericks are seven, Golden State is eight, Lakers nine. Um, and evidently Zion looks tremendous. Like, like y- y- you could imagine the Pelicans finishing ahead of the Grizzlies. Could you not? I hear they have them right here, here at three. Of course. I mean, it's not, it's not like, you know, you could imagine it. It's right. like, it could, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like a 42% chance of that yeah. happening or whatever, you know? Yeah. No, it's 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 remarkable. All right, you're going to be touring the uh, FedEx Forum today. Do we know already some things that are different there? Do we have a sense? This is sort of the general. Is this about just the configuration of the stadium, or is this also about you know? Are there, is there a new dip and dot stand? Honestly, I haven't cared enough to try to learn ahead of time. I don't know. I'll, right. I'll show up and I'll look at whatever it is and I'll write something about it. But I, it's not something I've been right. like chomping at the bit to. to to do. And tomorrow we yeah. will ask you how it looks different. So thank you, Chris. We appreciate yeah. it. Uh, that is Chris right. Harrington from the Daily <laughs> Memphian. Jeff, I believe it is the they've they've taken out There's some there's some up place in the, to hang uh, out up, up. Yeah, there's above, like a right? bar in the in the upper in the terrace level. Yeah, they're sort of creating a nice 
young person vibe to come and hang out, right? This is sort of the got to reach those millennials, Jeff. Got to reach the millennials somehow. And and honestly, one of the challenges of that arena from the beginning has been how you get people in the upper deck, right? It's just been the if they were to build the arena the, today, the, the, would, the yes. upper deck is too damn big, um, and that is simply true. Uh, back to uh, to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, according to uh, Willie Green, who's the coach of the Pelicans, Z looked amazing. He dominated his strength, his speed. He dominated the scre- the the uh, the scrimmage pretty much. Uh, that is a team that is that's uh, scary. Well, I mean, CJ McCollum has been a great addition for them, and I mean, to me, Zion Williamson his concerns have always been health. But, like, when he's played basketball, he's been a very, very good basketball player. Yeah, tremendous. Um, All right, the phone number. We're giving away two tickets to see Luke Bryan. A week from tonight. At the Lander Center. A week from tonight. All you got to do is be righter than right. Uh, We'll take caller number four, 535-3776. I'm sorry, one more time. Caller number what? Uh, caller number four, five three five three seven seven six. It is uh, uh, got NFL tonight, and this is true. By the way, I, I didn't mention this before. It's for new users and existing users. They've got free bets on Thursday nights for the same game parlay. If you do a same game parlay and it does not hit, and you are a new user or an existing user, uh, you get uh, you get free bets. Back, so go ahead and build your uh, same game parlay. Uh, Tyreek to score a touch, Tyreek Hill to score a touchdown, uh, Jalen Waddle over yards, whatever it is, Joe Mixon uh, over rushing yards. Build your own same game parlay. If it doesn't hit, you're going to get free bets back. All you got to do is sign up with promo code Calkins. That's C A L K I N S C A L K I N S, and you're ready to go. By the way, look for they're going to do an odds boost on the Titans game this weekend. They haven't announced it yet, but that's basically. It's me saying this. That's basically free money when that happens. Uh, must be 21 or older. Tennessee. Three plus legs. Minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is now in trouble. Free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet five bucks. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. Gambling problem? Call Tennessee Bedline 1-800-889-9789. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.